When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. I'm here at Madison Square Garden. Tonight I'll be calling the Rangers and the Leafs as the Rangers play their first home game since January 2nd. They had that five-game road trip in which they were able to win three of the five. So a little home cooking for the Rangers. 26 of the final 43 games will be at Madison Square Garden, including six of their next eight. We'll get to that in just a little bit. First, my apologies. I did not have a podcast on Monday. Uh, my bad as far as not you know, remembering that it was Martin Luther King Day with a slew of afternoon games and all that. So it uh, just didn't seem uh, that it made a lot of sense to do it. EJ was not available either. Um, we'll talk to EJ probably coming up next Monday. Uh, but let's dive into what's going on in the NHL. At some point today, I'm starting the record on this at uh, just after 2 o'clock Eastern time. The NHL is supposed to come out with their revisions for the schedule the rest of the way. Of course, they've got to fill the three weeks in which they were expected to be at the Olympics. And I'm not sure how this is all going to break itself down because you've got, you know, coming from the Ranger perspective like I am, the Rangers have to make up four games, three of which are at home. So you figure, all right, one of them was already rescheduled for March 17th, but they can put that in February. Is it possible that the Rangers will only play four games between February 2nd and February 24th? Possibly, because how are you supposed to make everything even? Rangers have four games to make up. You look at the uh, um, some of the teams around the league, like the Montreal Canadiens, have nine games to make up. So you're going to see a lot of teams play a lot of games in February, and then some not play many at all, but you'll st- still see a lot more hockey than you would have NHL-wise if they had gone to the Olympics because you would have been done basically from February 2nd to like February 23rd, something like that. Um, it would have been about, about a, a full three weeks. And then you couple in the All-Star game that's coming up. Like, you wouldn't have seen any games, but the All-Star game is still going to happen, and you're going to see a bunch of games in that three-week span get made up, how it's going to get made up, when the games are going to get played. You look at the Rangers, they've got six available home dates in that three-week span with three games to make up at home. But you say, okay, that's fine. That gives them some wiggle room. But does it? Because the teams that they have to play have to be available. The Islanders, the Canadians, and the Red Wings, who had their games postponed here at Madison Square Garden, have to be available on the dates in which the Garden is available. So will they make a way way to work? Will we see afternoon games? Like, let's say here at the Garden, uh, the Knicks are playing. Uh, Will the Rangers play like a noon game earlier to get the game in? We're going to find that out. The revisions are supposed to come out sometime, I guess, later on tonight. I don't know if there's going to be a big reveal or whether it's just going to be something that's going to kind of trickle down. But so far, not hearing anything. Uh, let's dive into the games last night. And that Islander-Flyer game was something else. Nine-round shootout, and the Islanders get the win. And the big play for me was the Sasekis goal with four and a half minutes to go. Uh, the Islanders had been you know, really struggling in this game, and they just couldn't afford to lose. The Flyers had just been a mess And if the Islanders are going to make the playoffs, we've talked about this before, they're going to have to win every game they're supposed to win, for sure. And then a bunch they're not supposed to. So to let, you know, it's a second of back-to-backs, I get it. 
Um, so it's always tough, but you just try to get the points where you can. From a tiebreaker standpoint, you wish if you were an Islander fan this was done in regulation or in overtime for the row win perspective of it. But at this point, they're just trying to make up as much ground as they can, and they get the win. So here do we stand with the Islanders now, 32 points in 32 games. That's not nearly enough of a pace to be able to make it. But they still sit right now 14 points back of Boston with four games in hand. So we've, we've discussed this before. The Islanders are going to have to be better than just the games in hand because if they make up the four games they have in, have in hand on uh, the Boston Bruins, that's eight points. Well, they sit 14 points back. That's not going to be enough. Pittsburgh, same thing. They've got six games in hand on Pittsburgh, but they've got to make up 19 points. So they're going to have to play better than Boston, have to be play better than Pittsburgh to get there. Now, of the of the teams that are the top three in the Metropolitan Division, as far as what they're projected to be at the beginning of the year, you didn't expect the Rangers to be in second place. So let's say, all right, maybe they can take advantage of the fact that they've got seven games in hand on the Rangers and that maybe the Rangers fall off in the second half of the season. The Rangers have 54 points. So you're talking about a, a, a 26, uh, what is it, a, yeah, a 22-game bulge. Uh, even with the seven games at hand, that only makes up 14 points. The point is that the Islanders are going to have to win basically every night, and they could not afford to let what happened last night slip through their fingers. So if this team does put a dent and does make a run, look back to that Sezikis goal. And then the Wallstrom goal in their half of the ninth round of the shootout where they were able to steal that extra point as a major reason why. Uh, it's, it's crazy to think that with all of the positivity around Tuka Rask that he could have the stinker that he had at home. And it's really a shame, too, for Boston because before the game they, they retired number 22 for Willie O'Ree, first African-Canadian, uh, actually, but the first black man to play in the National Hockey League. It was the anniversary of that of that day, just a day after Martin Luther King Day. I got to know Willie O'Ree when I was doing NHL Live. He's 86 years old, but he's vibrant. His memory is intact. He lives out in San Diego, um, and he still loves hockey, and he's still such an ambassador for the sport and just a gentleman of a person to get to know. He would come in the studio with us over at the NHL store, and we would talk so long just about the, the, what he had to go through, but he never, ever felt sorry for himself. He always wanted to try to better the game. And he was able to do that. So it's kind of a shame that Baroons did not respond on the day that his number was retired. But this Hurricanes team is just oh so dangerous. You know, you'll put up a touchdown against a really good Boston team that had been playing well tells you something. And you look at Kakanyemi with a couple of goals, but just how they distributed it all out, right? Usually you see a, a seven goals that it's all coming from somebody. But, you know, D'Angelo had three points. Slavin had three points. So think about the production they're getting from their blue line um yeah two points for um let's see two points for Teravain and two points for Kak and Yemi both coming on goals um Svechnikov had a goal and an assist in this one just an all-around effort for a very well-coached team in Brenda Moore a team that's got a, a destructive blue line both defensively and offensively they're getting the goaltending this Hurricanes team I think is the best team in the Metropolitan Division and they certainly showed it uh, last night Capitals uh, in a wild one, beat the uh, Jets by the final score of 4-3 to three in overtime. I, I know it irks the world to no end, but how many times have we seen Tom Wilson score big goals? 26 seconds into overtime, he gets his 12th of the year. Ovechkin, he picks up a goal, gets his 27th of the year. Now 
757 as he climbs ever closer to number three in Yarmir Yager. He might be able to do that in a couple of weeks. Flames with a major statement, a 5-1 win over the Florida Panthers. Uh, that was kind of a surprise. Panthers have been playing very, very well. Goudreau with, with four assists, and the, the Panthers' nine-game point streak uh, comes to an end in that one. So the Flames really needed to get a burst here. They really kind of fallen off after being a team that was battling for first place. And now as we talk today, they're actually two points back of San Jose for the final wild card spot. But like a lot of other Canadian teams, tons of games to make up. They've got five games in hand on San Jose. They've got, uh, when you look at the um, third place in the Pacific Division, Anaheim still holds that three spot. Um, and Calgary's three points behind, but six games in hand on the Ducks. That's why you can't get too crazy about the standings right now because a lot of these Canadian teams are going to have to make up a ton of games here, and it doesn't mean you're going to win all the games in hand, but when you're sitting there two points out of a playoff spot and have five games in hand on the team you're chasing, you're probably in very good shape. Um, not all the Canadian teams are in that, that boat because Vancouver's played 39 games. But outside of Vancouver, Edmonton just 35 games, Winnipeg 35 games, Calgary 35 games. I mean, let's not even discuss Montreal. They, they had a great win against Dallas. We'll talk about that in a second. So it really doesn't matter that they played 38 games. But Ottawa, they played only 32 games. So you can see Toronto is going to play their 37th game tonight. They've only played 36. So they're actually in very good shape in the Atlantic Division because they sit six points back of Florida with three games in hand. They sit eight points back at Tampa for first place with five games in hand. So all of these Canadian teams that are in the running, with the exception of Vancouver, have a ton of games to make up. So it's going to be interesting down the stretch how that's going to work um, itself out. The other story, uh, when you look at the Metropolitan Division, or you look at the, um, the All-Star game that's coming up on February 5th, um, we've already got uh, everything lined up as far as um, the voting guys were concerned. Uh, the 2022 Honda NHL All-Star Game. Um, they've got the rosters, the, the, the guys that were able to make it because of the vote-in. Uh, Mika Zibanejad was voted in by the fans, but Mika's not going to go for personal reasons. And, and I do believe that he'll be subject to a one-game suspension when we come back from the All-Star break because he's denied uh, access. I, I, the only thing, listen, I don't know what Mika's personal situation is, so I'm not going to comment on that, and I'm sure he's got valid reasons to not go to the All-Star Game. And I don't know when these personal reasons were he was made aware of or the NHL was made aware of. But in situations like that, you almost wish like he had just abstained from the voting. You know, Gensel got in, and I think he was deserving. But to have fans vote for a guy that wasn't going to go. But it still goes on his ledger as being voted into the All-Star game. So um, Steven Stamkos for Tampa, Jake Gensel for Pittsburgh, Nazem Kadri for Colorado, Troy Terry for Anaheim were named the last man in on Tuesday. So that's the way it's all going to get itself going here. So here are the rosters for the Atlantic Division. You've got uh, Austin Matthews, who, by the way, tonight at Madison Square Garden is going to try to tie a record for most consecutive road games of the goal. He's scored in 10 straight road games. The record is a tie between Steve Eiserman, who did it in the 88-89 season, and Pavel Bure, who did it uh, in the 93-94 season. So a goal tonight against the Rangers, he'll tie those two Hall of Famers for 11 consecutive games uh, with a goal. T Toronto's just been a fun team to watch. I'm really looking forward to this game. So the Atlantic Division, uh, here are the way the lines are going to break down. It's going to be Larkin between Matthews and Huberdeau. It's going to be Stamkos between Bergeron. Um, or actually, let me just give it, then I have it lines. They just broke it down into um, how the roster is going to look. Matthews, Larkin, Huberdeau, 
Bergeron, Stamkos, Hedman, Batheson, uh, Suzuki, and Dahlin with Vasilevsky and Campbell as the goaltenders. That's the way that's going to go. For the Metropolitan Division, it's going to be Ovechkin, Aho, and Fox, Gensel, Giroux, and Rorinsky, Kreider, Hughes, and Pellick. Great season for Kreider so far, 24 goals. Uh, Frederick Anderson and Tristan Jari are going to be the goaltenders for the Metropolitan Division in the Central. Uh, Kaprizov, McKinnon, and McCarr. McCarr's having a phenomenal season. So is Debrinkit, representing Chicago. Uh, Kadri, Pavelski, Connor, Keller, um, Kairou for the St. Louis Blues. And then Soros is having a great season for Nashville. Cam Talbot, what a great story for him, representing the Minnesota Wild and goal. In the Pacific Division, you've got McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Eberle with Giroux, Stone, and Petrangelo, Meyer, Terry, and Kempe for the Los Angeles Kings, and John Gibson and Thatcher Demko will go for the Pacific uh, uh, Division uh, for Anaheim and Vancouver, respectively. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about why does every team have to be represented. It's an all-star game. It's an exhibition, okay? And I know you want to get everybody to watch, and I just know growing up as a fan, you wanted to see your favorite team being represented. So you can kind of roll your eyes at you know guys that might have gotten in that maybe they didn't deserve to get in just because they, every team has to be represented. You know, do we have to have an Arizona Coyote because they're having such a bad season? Do we have to have a Montreal Canadian because we're having such a bad season? Well, I'm sure there's a young kid out there that's a Canadians fan who's going to love seeing Nick Suzuki play in the All-Star game. I'm sure there's a Coyotes fan out there that's going to love to see Clayton Keller getting a chance to play. So I'm all for everybody being represented because it is an exhibition. You're trying to get people to watch, and you think about those young kids who – who do care about the All-Star game more than, like, 53-year-olds like me, having everybody represented, I think, uh, is an important uh, piece to the puzzle there when we're talking about uh, trying to grow the game. So I, I don't have a problem with that. And I can understand the players being upset about it, too, because they want to be able to go to the All-Star game. But it just looks petty when you talk about why does every team have to be represented. Well, how would you feel if you were on a lousy team and your team wasn't represented on national television for a game that's being showcased by the National Hockey League. All right, the other story that kind of came down yesterday that actually was discussed on the Michael K. Show was the situation between Leon Dreisaitl and Jim Matheson, uh, who is a reporter for um, the Edmonton Oilers. He's been around the team for 40 years, okay? Um, and he got into a little bit of an exchange with Leon Dreisaitl. And I'm not sure if you heard it. Um, you could probably go and find it somewhere. But I... I Listen, it's been a tough spot recently for Edmonton, all right? You saw what happened with Connor McDavid last week having to answer questions about Evander Kane. Totally unfair that he's got to answer those questions. You know, what is he supposed to rip somebody who might actually be a teammate if Edmonton's able to pull off the signing? You know, uh, and then you've got Leon Dreisaitl having to answer questions for an Edmonton team that's in free fall. They've lost six consecutive games. They blew a 3-1 lead in the third period to Ottawa on Hockey Night in Canada's second game of the doubleheader. And Jim is, you know, peppering him with questions and then asked him, you know, why are you being so pissy? Why are you pissy? And they kind of had the back and forth. It wasn't the end of the world, but it did get kind of go viral just because you don't usually see that in hockey. And Jim just continued to ask, ask questions, which is his job to do. But I did feel like by asking Leon Dreisaitl, why are you pissy, and continuing to ask, ask questions when it was clear Leon was not going to give you what you're looking for, it could look from the perspective of the reporter, hey, he's just doing his job. But I thought Jim, in my opinion, not going to absolutely kill him, 
but I thought if I had to come on the side of anybody, I would probably lean on Dreisaitl's side because, A, Dreisaitl is frustrated because his team has lost six in a row, probably doesn't want to have to do it. It's his obligation to do it, but you can understand why he's quote-unquote pissy because his team is playing poorly and it's no fault of his own because he's playing so well. All right? So you kind of see where Leon's coming from. But, Jim... Here, here's the adage that I always kind of, the edict, I guess is a better way to put it, that I always live by as a, as a, as a person that's a reporter or an interviewer, because I've been in that situation. I've been in press conferences where I've had to ask players tough questions. I've been in scrums in locker rooms for all four of the major sports, all right, and, and then some. And the edict that I always go by, the rule that I go by is never make it about you, all right? Your job is to get something out of the player and then the fans can get whatever they want from that player. When you put yourself kind of in the middle of it, then you're putting yourself someplace where you don't belong, all right? No offense to Jim Matheson, no offense to me or any other reporter. It's not about you, all right? People aren't following the sport to hear your questions. They're following the sport so they can hear the answers to those questions, so whether it's you or anybody else. I mean, there's been times I've been able to get sound in a scrum in a locker room and I never asked any questions because everybody else was able to ask, and I was able to use that sound like everyone to convey it to my listeners, to my audience, to the fans of that particular team that I was covering. That's my job. And when I put myself in the middle of it, well, then I think you're not doing your job. So, again, I don't think there's a really a guilty party per se in this, but if you're going to say who was right and who was wrong, in my opinion, I thought uh, as pissy as Leon was, I, I think Jim put himself into the story a little bit too much, and I don't think that's something you want to do as a reporter. But go back, listen to it, check out the exchange. Um, maybe we'll even edit it into this because I'm recording it right now, and uh, Ray Dinahan is producing for us today, and he's trying to do a bunch of different things. But, you, um, you know, we live in an era now where you can find it. It's very easy to find, and then you can come up with your own conclusions. Uh, just three games of the NHL tonight. Uh, the TNT game tonight is going to be the Rangers and the Maple Leafs. Again, I'll be on the call on 98.7 ESPN New York tonight. We mentioned the um, the situation with Austin Matthews can tie the record tonight for most consecutive goals on the road. Uh, the Rangers coming off that five-game road trip in which they won three of them, so getting six of a possible ten points when four of those games were out west. I think they did a pretty decent job. They get Barkley Goudreau back from COVID protocol. So the Rangers getting healthier, still no Alexei Lafreniere. He's still in COVID protocol. They do get Drayden Hunt or Dryden Hunt back from his injury. He had missed the last four games because of a lower body. He's back and eligible tonight. Uh, so the Rangers, minus Alexei Lafreniere, is as healthy as they've been uh, in a while, uh, all month. And we'll see how that goes against Toronto. These two teams have hooked up twice already this year, both 2-1 finals. Rangers winning the first meeting, 2-1 in overtime. The second meeting went to Toronto, 2-1. So we'll see if it's wide open and crazy, uh, but it should be fun. Devils and Coyotes over at the Rock. It feels like forever since the Devils have played. And the Avalanche will be in Anaheim to take on the Ducks, and that's a really fun matchup tonight. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be the second game of the doubleheader on TNT because Colorado's kind of in the same boat as those Canadian teams because you look at the Central Division, they're in first place with 53 points because they're 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. They've won three in a row. They've been dominant at home. They've only played 36 games, so they got a two-point lead on the Blues with three games in hand. They've got a two-point lead on third place Nashville with five games in hand. So we talked about this when Colorado was a wild card and on the outside looking in. They're too good to be down there, and with all the games in hand, 
I think the Avalanche are not only going to win this Central Division going away, I would not be surprised if they're competing with the Tampas and the Floridas and the Carolinas to win the President's Trophy. I'm still a little dubious about their goaltending, and Kemper had to leave the game on Martin Luther King Day after taking a a shoulder to the head. Um, Their goaltending is not magical by any stretch of the imagination, but with this offense, the way they're playing, with the blue line playing the way it's playing, McCarr is just having an unbelievable season. This could be one of those years where you're like, wow, I can't believe Darcy Kemper won a Stanley Cup. Kind of like, I can't believe Nikolai Javi Bullen won a Stanley Cup. I, I, I can't believe that, um, that uh, trying to think of other goaltenders from back in the day, like Campbell with Chicago uh, won a Stanley Cup, like, like uh, Antti Niemi winning a Stanley Cup with Chicago. Like, no offense to those goaltenders, but it's not like goaltenders that are competing for Vesna's and making you think about the greatest of all time, but they were on such good teams. You're just almost asking that goalie, just don't screw it up. And that might be the situation with Colorado. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Let's go to Tim McHale, who asks, what do you make of Kreider's success this year? It seems like he's kept his game incredibly simple, nothing too flashy, just rebounds, tips, and going to the net. Seems like uh, Gallant has really allowed him to play his game to his full potential. Well, I'm going to give credit to Dave Maloney, my uh, partner uh, for the game tonight, color analyst on radio for the New York Rangers, and he thinks it's Kreider killing penalties that's really opened the game up because you have to have incredible vision see the entire ice to be an effective penalty killer and it wasn't until recently that he's been on the penalty kill and it, it's no coincidence that his game has really come together and we haven't had a chance to ask him yet but the feeling that from dave is is that him killing penalties has really well-rounded his game um, another example of that um, not um, not not apples to apples comparison but, but close is that if you remember years ago when Rick Nash was struggling offensively, his game really came together as a whole when he was finally killing penalties. And the reason for that is if you go back to the last Olympics, Mike Babcock wanted him to play for Team Canada and kill penalties. And I think it was Elaine Vigneault who was the coach at the time. Might have been John Tortorella. I'm trying to think back at, at, at that time. Obliged Babcock and had Nash start killing some penalties with the Rangers. And even though he was struggling to score the goals that people thought he was going to call the score, he really came together as an overall player because he was killing penalties. So there might be something to that. Uh, Mike White said, or Jim White says, I attended uh, Timo Meyer's five goal performance on Monday. He was spectacular, and kudos to those in attendance for staying through his on ice interview. The crowd was sparse due to the country's uh, COVID regulations, but it was a special moment for those who were there. It's like, like about 10,000 fans, and um, uh, it was great because I was doing the Michael K show, but. I was looking around. I was like, wow, he's got five goals through two periods. He has a whole period to tie the record for the most goals. We had not seen a six-goal scorer since Daryl Sittler back in 1976. So he had 20 minutes. They stuck him on the power play late in the game to try to get it. Um, He didn't come through. But, boy, he has really come together as a player. He has been a special, special player for that San Jose Sharks team, and I think they've got an excellent chance to make the playoffs. Guido says, do you buy the reports that the Rangers are really trying to acquire J.T. Miller? Well, I, I don't know 
I mean, obviously that's a, that's a, an area of need, and Miller's having a tremendous season with Vancouver. He's really coming to his own since leaving the Rangers, um, for what he was able to do in Tampa Bay and then eventually Vancouver. Um, I have not heard anything. Um, I'm not sure what the Rangers are going to do. Because here's the deal with the Rangers it, overall as a team. They're not old. All right, this is not a team. You know, this is not the old days when Henrik Lunk was, we've got to try to get a cup for Hank before he's too old. It's a young team. And all of the pieces are in place where this team can stay intact for the next three, four years, continuing to grow into a cup champion. So I don't know why you would want to get rid of anybody or start making, um, sacrificing the future to try to win now when you might be able to win and win multiple times in the future if you just stay pat. Now, I'm not saying you can't make maintenance deals and there might be a few things tinkering that you can do here and there, and I'm not saying you shouldn't kick the tires on, on Miller if the price is right. And I know they've got a, a ton of young defensemen, and we're seeing Braden Schneider now getting a chance to play. We saw uh, Nils Lundqvist earlier this year playing. So they've got a lot of good young players, um, but I'm not sure that you want to put, be all in for this season and make any kind of real sacrifices. Uh, Anthony says, hi, Don. Got to love the battle for first place in the Atlantic. Does Carolina, Florida look to add more pieces challenging Tampa this year? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, Florida, I think, can feel like they're every bit as good as Tampa. You know, Carolina obviously being the Metropolitan Division. Remember, they had to move to the Metropolitan Division. I don't think you're worried about having to compete with a team that you're probably not going to face until the second round um, or, or, or beyond. So, uh, no, I, 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 listen, maintenance deals are always things that can happen, but I am not uh, going to say that they have to do it to keep up with Tampa because I think Florida's right there, and Carolina might be there as well. So I'm not sure that'll be uh, the case. Uh, NYR Fanatics says, hey, Don, each team has played 30 to 40 games depending on their COVID situation thus far this season. Who do you consider dark horses for a Stanley Cup run? All right, well, I don't know if you consider them dark horses because certainly Carolina and Florida might not be teams that you think of to compete for a Stanley Cup, but I think everybody going into the season felt that those two teams would be very good. Same thing with Colorado. I don't think you'd say that's a dark horse either because many people thought last year they would make a run. Minnesota, I think, could be very dangerous, very dangerous as far as a team that could make a run. A lot of veteran leadership on that team, star players now. Uh, Kaprizov is as good as any forward they've ever had in that franchise's history, and that's including Marion Gabrick. I mean, he might be that good. And if you're going to get the goaltending from Talbot, which is obviously going to be the question mark, um, they could be a dark horse. I think Nashville can be scary because Soros is so good, he can steal series on his own. And a healthy Forsberg, they've, they, are, they are a team that could be dangerous, dangerously scary. They're big. They're physical. They can fly. There's a lot of things that they do very well there. So if you're looking for a team that probably isn't being talked about, that may be, uh, make a run, it could be the Nashville Predators. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Tony says, with the chaos going on in Edmonton, can you see them doing anything to salvage this season? Also, will it ever get to a point where either McDavid or Dreisaitl will have enough and ask for a trade in the offseason? Well, they're big contracts to move, which are tough. Never say never. Uh, the NHL is not like the NBA when it comes to that. But still, you wonder, you know, with a team just never seeming to go anywhere and being so talented uh, that, listen, I think Dave Tibbet's going to lose his job. I think it's inevitable at this point. The free fall is real. Uh, Dave is a really good coach. He's had success in the NHL. 
it's not working. The scary thing, though, is it just doesn't seem to work with a lot of guys. You know, you go through all the coaches they've had, going back to McTavish. You just There just seems to be a run in there somewhere, but just never enough. And they've made so many changes, general manager-wise, head coaching-wise. What what needs to happen there? And it's it, it, it's simple to say the goaltending has to be better, but it goes beyond that. I mean, it goes beyond just the goaltending not being good enough. Um, and I don't know how they improve that situation, even though they wanted to anyway. But I do think that when you think of coaches that might be on their way out, uh, Dave Tippett uh, might have a very difficult time uh, surviving and, and will probably get the ax if things continue to go the way they're going. All right, we'll be back again on Friday. And Friday we'll have our weekly top five, which has become very, very difficult to do because there's so many teams that are good and so many teams having phenomenal weeks. But we'll try to find a way to do it. If you want to contribute, you can always do that at Don LaGreca. Make sure you throw in the hashtag game misconduct so I can sift through all the Michael K tweets. So uh, we'll be back with you again on Friday and uh, have a lot of games to recap and, and getting closer and closer to the All-Star break coming up uh, at the end of the month. So we'll talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.